He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great... It like it is, giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis, Cats at Night, and the number one show at 5 o'clock. And we have another great show for you today in the studio with us. We've got a common sense Democrat... Judge Richard Weinberg, a common-sense Republican, Congressman Peter King, and my sidekick, we have uh, Lydia Serrano. Yes. And uh, Lydia, tell us about the show we're going to have today. Well, momentarily, we will be speaking with Governor Chrissy Lynn of South Dakota, and she's going to talk to us about the pipeline, about being energy independent, because, you know, there's a lot of oil in the ground. And for whatever reason, the Biden administration wants to go to Iran and Venezuela and Russia and OPEC and everywhere else. Then we'll be speaking with Charlie Gasparino, because what the feds, there's some big news on that front. Jonathan Wachtel, he's an acclaimed journalist and an expert on foreign policy. He's going to be telling us the latest on Ukraine. And then we also have the latest update on the major cases that are happening here in New York City. We will be speaking with NYPD Chief of Detectives James Essig. So let's let's go to Congressman Peter King. Uh, uh, Congressman, you uh, listened to uh, uh, the the speech this morning by the president of Ukraine. Uh, What did you think? It was very moving. It was very emotional. It was very uh, factual. Uh, he keeps asking for the no-fly zone. I think he knows he's not going to get that, but he, I think if he uh, feels if he keeps insisting on that, it'll make sure that he will get armaments that he needs, whether it's Stinger missiles, uh, may, maybe some planes, I don't know. But he wants to make sure that we keep those Stinger missiles coming in, the artillery, anti-artillery, the uh, uh, missile defense systems, all of that. But, he, again, he's very effective. And unlike many politicians in this country, he gives a different speech every time. I mean, today he geared it toward the United States. He spoke about 9-11. He spoke about Pearl Harbor. And uh, he, at the end, basically said that the president of the United States, Joe Biden, should be uh, uh, the leader of his people, the leader of his country, but also the leader of the world as far as seeking peace. If I can make one other point, John, Christy Nome is coming up. Yes. I worked with her in Congress. This is a, a real asset having her on the show tonight. Uh, she's done a great job as governor. I was with her just a few weeks ago. She spoke out on Long Island at the state convention. And, uh, again, she's a – if you want to call somebody a superstar, Christy Nome is that. She was a very effective member of Congress, a very effective governor. And uh, like you, she really knows all about energy and the importance of energy to the economy. But you know who's the opposite of Zelensky? Biden. Because where you have Zelensky, who's very eloquent – and very prepared and very passionate. You have Biden who looks very weak. I mean, somebody has to like lead him around. This is not who the world leader should be. And this is why this is happening in the world. John Katzmatidis, what would you do if you were? I, don't know. I want to hear from Judge Weinberg first. Judge, uh, okay. Uh, did you I, I see think, the? Uh... Yeah, I did, and I, I have to say, I think uh, Zelensky is uh, very, very impressive. I think the people of Ukraine are fortunate to have somebody with that physical and moral courage. His intellectual capacity is. Uh, is outstanding, and he's really putting it to us. This is one of the great moral choices of our times. Are we going to allow Russian imperialism to gobble up or destroy an independently democratic elected president because of his uh, ruthless ambitions? And then the question becomes, what does the United States have an obligation to do, and what should the United States do in its own interest to stop this Russian aggression? I, 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 I'll, I'll answer your question now, Lydia. Okay, so I want to hear what, what you would do. do. Uh, I would not send in any fighter pilots, uh, uh, fighter jets right now. Uh, I would give them all the Stinger missiles uh, that they need. I'd give them all the ammunition they need. And let the uh, – let's uh, – if the Russian airplanes go over 
a certain area, send out all the stingers you want to send out, and uh, uh, our fingerprints are not on it. But can I ask a question? Why does Biden have to announce this? Why couldn't he done it this secretly so we don't put this giant target on our back? I'm not saying to be afraid of Putin. I understand the world needs to know. uh, that uh, uh, if you send in fighter jets and they start having uh, NATO jets or Polish jets start having fights uh, with uh, Russian jets, then that's that's uh, escalates the problem. But how is that different from shooting down Russian planes with Singer missiles? We've sh- Singer missile. Who who's Singer missile? We is it? We said we said they're ours. Who's, yeah, we who's said they're ours. That was stupid. That's what I'm what? saying. That's what, what I'm saying. Why, you, why, why did he announce it? I'm saying to what? John's point. Why is it? In any negotiation, why do you give a list of what you're not going to do, and why do you give full disclosure? I don't this know. This should not be open. They should be, open they should be sending in all the bullets they need, yes. all the stinger yes. missiles oh, they quietly. need, all, all the anti-tank weapons they yes. need, and let, let, them, let them go play soldiers. I mean, this is crazy what's going on. Putin was yeah, wrong. Playing, so these are heroic Putin, people. Putin was wrong we, they to send us. in yes. uh, the troops. Putin was 110% wrong. And uh, he's bombing these the people are defending the he, Putin is a maniac. He's not going to stop. Just a short time ago, he directed a message to Americans and Europeans, and he states that the whole planet has to pay for the ambitions of the West for their attempts by any means to preserve their domination in the world that is slipping away. So he's, and, and he's the aggressor. Exactly. And, I mean, it's he's shameful de- hypocrisy. He's gaslighting. He's deflecting. And, you know, he's not going to stop. He also says Zelensky is a Nazi, which is interesting yeah, since he's right. Jewish. <laughs> that's right. They have a lot of Jewish Nazis running around. Right. He says Zelensky is a white nationalist and all these crazy things because he's just trying to stir Everybody the pot. Everybody likes to send out buzzwords that don't mean anything, but they, 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 they become buzzwords. But the sad part is the Russian people are buying it because, that you know, when the media lies, democracy dies. And they're all watching just the same channel, same stuff over and over. So they're thinking what... Putin and the TV there is is telling them the truth. They have no idea. But, but, as John, but as John says, the generals on the inside, the inner circle in the Kremlin around Putin know the truth. And the question becomes, what, what if anything, are they going to do, John? Well, right now, I, I think they lied to Putin. Uh, General Keene, when we had him on last week, You're he right. says, we went into Iraq and we took over in two days. And uh, I think Putin was expecting to take over in two days. I agree. And he didn't realize uh, what a uh, bunch of uh, screw-ups his troops were. And how effective the Ukrainians are. They're really a well-trained army. They are well-trained. That's and they've why got I'm saying courage. supply them all they need. And they've got heart. But why did President Biden announce everything we're supplying them with? Well, you want to you start a uh, dumb list? I, I mean, I he, he did it because of the political pressures. He had to show he was doing something. But what's more important, the political pressures or to make sure we, Americans don't get killed and we don't get attacked? Everything that Biden, what, I tell you, this is the House Democrat. Everything the Biden administration does is public relations, spin and politics. Is the governor on yet? We're still trying to get the governor. Congressman King, at this point, do you think Putin will stop or do, does his own people have to take him out? Because I don't think he's I think stopping. it's going to be difficult to stop because he's so far along. I think there is more of a chance of a palace coup than there was a few weeks ago. Four generals have been killed. I think we lost one general in the Korean War and none since then. They've lost four generals to a small country in three weeks. So that's uh, terrible. Uh, they are out, uh, out of supplies. They're asking China for help. They're asking Syria for help. Uh, this is supposed to be a major power. I think that the military and the intelligence agencies 
and the you know, oligarchs may move on Putin. You know what's even more serious, Congressman? I understand that Russia is aligning themselves with China. China is has discussions going on with Saudi Arabia uh, to align themselves uh, together and pay uh, for uh, uh, their crude oil to Saudi Arabia in, uh, what do they call it? Wands. Wands. Yeah. So if you start developing a secondary uh, world currency. currency, world currency, uh, I, I think that's the way we lose. And uh, it's not losing because of nuclear weapons. It's not losing because we're not sending in meg, MIGs. It's losing because uh, China is going to win in a different way. Well, China is going to win because we're letting Russia get away with aggression. If China, if Russia had been stopped, China wouldn't have anyone to deal with. Congressman King, why issued these sanctions when they started assembling their troops right there on the border? What was it, like two years now, right? How long has it no, been? We have, the, we have the governor on the oh, line great. to introduce... Uh, so we have Governor Christy Lynn Nome of South Dakota. She's on the line with us right now. And she's going to talk to us about the Keystone XL pipeline, which would have benefited not only South Dakota, but the entire country, frankly. The, welcome, Governor Nome. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on the show with you today. Yeah, the Keystone pipeline was coming right through South Dakota. So we have the pipe laying across our state. Uh, equipment is sitting parked. Um, all that was left was to finish uh, putting it uh, assembled and in the ground, and it would have been ready to help us be more energy independent like we were under President Trump. What's remarkable to me is that the first day in office, President Biden shut this pipeline down, and we've just seen our energy crisis uh, go through the roof and impact families in a dramatic way. So South Dakota doesn't have any oil, but we are North Dakota got all the oil. We got Mount Rushmore, which we're pretty happy about, but we still are heavily energy dependent because we grow this country's food. So it uh, it was unfortunate to see President Biden create this crisis that we have that's dramatically hitting people's pocketbooks. Chrissy, this is Pete King. We met uh, a few weeks ago in Long Island. Yeah, it, was hey, good, Pete. it was good seeing you again after all those years. Uh, as you go around and talk to other governors, certainly in your uh, part of the country, but also you travel everywhere, what reaction are you getting to this so-called energy shortage? Well, actually, it's a real energy shortage now because of Biden's policies. Uh, is, is there a reaction building up? Is there a, a counter move to have more energy, to have more drilling, to have, as John Caspertides always says, the oil in Alaska, the oil uh, in you know, the, uh, Canada, the oil here in the United States is more than enough to keep us independent and also supply good parts of the world. It is, and that's what I think is is pretty remarkable, is that Republicans and Democrats are talking about it, and they're talking about it because their families in their districts and in their states are being hit where it hurts the most. With this high inflation rates going up, people have less money and everything's costing more. Uh, and that means our economy's shrinking and that people are not going to be able to do uh, things that they did when President Trump was in office, to go on a vacation or buy their kids an extra pair of basketball shoes. Just those are decisions that families are making right now. And that's why so many of these leaders are hearing it and finally making it a priority. What's un- unfortunate, Peter, and you know this, is that he, even President Biden's making the wrong decisions and trying to address it, you know, bringing money out of reserves, you know, continuing to get our supply from countries that do not align with our principles and our values. It's just the wrong answer for what we need here at home. And it's unfortunate because we've got the resources right here in the United States of America. We just need to use them. 
Governor Nome, what do you say to people that say, you know what? Well, those people being Jen Psaki of the White House, that the Keystone Pipeline, it, it doesn't make a difference. It was only 8% finished. And, you know, that's not, there's not going to be an effect at the gas pumps. And this is just simply a narrative that the Republicans are pushing. Can you help educate the public? Because I feel like the Biden administration and a lot of Democrats are misinforming them. Well, it, 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 all of that is completely false. It, it would have driven down the transportation costs on every single barrel of oil that went through it. Um, capacity would have been filled in North Dakota, up in Canada, moving it to refineries at a much cheaper rate. And this is the one thing that, that you know, the liberals would never say, is, is that the studies show, a science show and history shows, that it's safer for our environment to move uh, this oil through a pipeline than it is the way we do today over the road by truck or by rail. Uh, It's uh, safer for people uh, as well. Safety measures are much more improved under these new pipelines and how they're built. Uh, It's safer for the earth, um, and and it's a much safer energy supply utilizing what we've got here here at home and with Canada. So that's what is remarkable to me is that protecting the environment protecting people and protecting our energy supply, it all gets checked. The boxes get checked with this Keystone Pipeline. It should be restarted today. Governor, it's it's Judge Richard Weinberg. I have to to tell you, it's not only the domestic impact in terms of the inflation and the cost to the middle class and and the the working class because of this inflation, which is really a Biden creation, but it's also the national – security issue they're impacted the dependency of europe on russian oil us the united states having to beg venezuela and the saudis and opec and iran we're talking about doing a deal with to get oil it's a matter of absolute insanity because we're never going to have national security if we have oil dependency and christy judge weinberg is a democrat and i am a democrat (laughs) well he's uh, speaking my language because that's the way that i've always talked about in all of the above American energy supply. I'm not picking oil over anything else. I think it all should be on the table and that it should be diversified because then our country is much more secure. In fact, I talk about this quite often from a food perspective, too. They are driving up food costs for people. Just running one tractor on my farm for a week is going to cost me $10,000 a week more in fuel than it did a year ago. So if you talk about the typical farmer out here has got five or six tractors running on an average size farm every single day just to plant our food in this country and all those costs have to be passed on somewhere uh, that our our food supply is a national security issue you you let another country start growing our food for us because we drove all the producers out of business uh, that's really when we are controlled by that other country so it's not just an energy uh, crisis we're going to start seeing this in other aspects of what we need to live our daily lives too Governor Nome, the fact that we are not energy independent anymore, do you feel that played a part in emboldening Vladimir Putin to invade Ukraine? Oh, absolutely. This guy is an evil guy, and it's all about power and respect. And he has no respect for this administration. Uh, he knew he could take advantage of us after watching our terrible actions in Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, it's no it's no secret that every single enemy the United States of America has right now is evaluating if they should all hit us at the same time because we can't respond to all of them at the same time. We are weak uh, right now as far as our stance on being forward-facing to protect this country and our allies. And uh, when we're getting it from Russia and China and Iran 
and possibly North Korea now going back and testing weapons again. Listen, this administration needs to wake up because we're starting on the verge of something that they won't be able to dial back with just using and giving a good speech. My son pointed out to me today that we're worried about the climate crisis over the, that may happen or may not happen over the next 50, 100, or, or 200 years. Meanwhile, we're not worried about our domestic uh, problem that we have now about uh, defending our country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, exactly we have right. to worry about getting to the climate crisis. If, if we don't do the right thing for our country today, the United States of America, we might not get there. And there's also a drug crisis, a crime crisis, and it's just it's not ending. There's crises is all over our country, and, and we have to worry about that before we worry about climate. Well, I listen, I, I tell everybody, um, and even I tell my staff all the time, they write something I should say or a speech or something. I say, I'm never worried, I'm never scared. Don't say I'm worried, I'm concerned. I, you can say, listen, I... I I think the way we speak has consequences. The way this president has spoken has had consequences uh, that we need to wake up every single day determined to be strong. And uh, and listen, people have used fear to promote their agendas. And uh, and I think that this White House needs to wake up and realize that strong language is important at this time, a strong stance and action is important. Um, and, and even as we look at this country, we need to wake up remembering that we woke up in the United States of America. You know, we have a lot of challenges, but, but by people showing up and getting engaged for the first time, we can turn this around. We just need to make sure that this president in this White House gets woke up and that we put better leadership in place <laughs> the next election cycle. Governor, we have another one minute. What would you like to tell the American people? You're, you're from middle America, South Dakota, how do you see our country? So can I jump in with Christy? Christy uh, no, of course you can jump in. I, I, I know this is non-political. Let me just tell you, that speech you gave in Long Island, it went over great, the state convention, they're saying great things about you. So good luck wherever you go. Oh. You did a great job that night. Oh, well, Peter, you raised me. So I was listening to you give fantastic speeches and do amazing policy for America when you were in Congress. So um, listen, we... We have the people of America have a lot of blessings. Let's make sure they're still there for our kids and grandkids. And that's by making sure we show up and get engaged. The world still moves by people who show up and do the work. So um, this White House um, has to has created this crisis. Um, We need new leadership in the White House, in Congress, strong leaders at this time. Uh, Boy, a little bit of American grit will get us through it. I'm worried about our country making it over the next 10, 20 years I'm not worried about the climate crisis that may come 100 years from now. That's right. Thank you, Governor. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great to visit with you. Thank you. You too. Uh, Let's take a break right now, and uh, we'll see who we come back with. Talk Radio 77 WABC. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. What's going on with the markets? I mean, there's big uh, Fed decisions today, and uh, uh, markets are going up and down. And who better to tell us what the heck is going on than uh, Charlie Gasparino of Fox News? Uh, uh, Charlie, what the heck is going on? Uh, well, oil is down, right? So that's a that's considered a positive for inflation. Yeah, but that's a temporary move. I heard that from a guy named uh, Charlie Gasparino. Right, because China's going to be going, back in the market, right? Yeah, at some something point. going on in China. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I'm just telling you why today. Um, Powell came out pretty dovish, um, despite you know claiming to uh, do anything it takes to uh, to beat back inflation. He's so far behind the curve, and you know, John, you know, stock traders are. And, and a lot of this is algorithm based, so it's not just I'm, it's not human beings. I'm 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 uh, denigrating here. It's kind of stupid, you know. They they trade off these headlines. Uh, the you know the, the short term headline is is better for stocks. We're not going to get massive rate increases despite massive inflation. That is kind of good for stocks in the short run. I think long term, if this inflation keeps building, which most people think it will, uh, you know, this he's going to have to tighten more, and it's going to have to keep tightening and. There is no getting around it. You know, you can't have double-digit inflation and measly 25 basis point increases in the Fed funds rate and a marginal reduction in the Fed's balance sheet. It just can't exist. And, you know, Jerome Powell may turn out to be, you know, maybe the worst Fed chairman in, in a decade because he, you know, remember, what happened with COVID was a monetary policy experiment, massive amounts of, of money printing, um, all sorts of programs. It was obviously needed when you shut down the economy for for six months or however, however the lockdowns were, were truly in, in, in place. But once, you know, you came out of that, I would say in early 2021 when we had vaccines and people were, you know, through, you know, fits and starts, we were starting to become better, become open, and the economy was clearly on a, on a strong footing. He kept the, he kept printing money, and you know a lot of bad things happen. We have tons of new asset sector classes. We have NFTs. Well, I don't even know why an F, NFT trades the way it does. We have fake crypto. We, I can go on and on. Meme stocks. On top of that, you know, housing prices are went parabolic because it's so easy to, to borrow. There's a lot of bad stuff that's in the system that needs to be wrung out. And now, on top of it all, you have fiscal policy that paid people to stay home. You have supply chain problems because of that, and you have a and you have a you have a high demand and a supply problem, and you know not enough supply. And it's just it, it's untenable. I don't know how you deal with with 25 basis point increases, but the market likes it in the short term. You know, I wrote that essentially in my uh, my New York Post column today. I I said I said that the market would share this and. Uh, and it did, but that doesn't mean that it's going to cheer it going forward, and that doesn't mean that you, as the as the investor, don't, don't have to worry about this because the Fed is not really dealing with the issue. He's he, he kind of punted in, in a weird way. I, I, I you know, I, listen. I know there's a global unrest, and you know, but you know, it, it's I, I don't know how you you deal with this any other way but to take some semi dramatic steps. Well, I, w- I was on with you at, uh, uh, during the Fox Business Show. Yeah, I saw it, saw it. And, and uh, the, you know, I was asked about food prices, and right now we have announced increases of anywhere from 12 to 20% in food prices over the next uh, uh, 45 to 60 days. And that's going to add to inflation in a big way. Absolutely. And uh, these CEOs of these major companies, including Nabisco, is uh, they want to be ahead of the curve. They don't want to have a bad quarter. So- Look, this is what I wrote today. 
John. Powell will undoubtedly fill the room with bromides about the inherent strength of the U.S. economy, announce a measly 25 basis point increase, and say something in the Fed funds rate, and say something modest about the Fed's balance sheet that he will begin to unwind slowly. Markets might even cheer, but Powell's only delaying the inevitable. If he doesn't move decisively, private investors could take measures into their own hands, selling bonds and dollars in the face of the inflationary threat, leading to widening deficits and higher costs, higher debt service costs. A recession would also be baked into the economy under such a scenario, which is all true. Uh, this is we are on in, in, in uh, uncharted territory. I just wonder why it's why he's not why he's taking the risk like this. If you think about it, doing a 25 basis point increase today, I mean, would that have would that have ended the world of high finance as we know it? Oh, excuse me, doing a fifty point would would the would the world come to an end doing fifty points? I think you know we no. mean you have talked about it that the Fed is partially politicized, it's and crazy. I guess uh, maybe the president didn't want that. It's so nuts. I'm just telling you, it, you know, the market might have went down, yeah, uh, on fifty basis points, but who cares? The market's been up. Yep, but there was a little. Prices might have gone down a little bit, but who cares? Housing prices went through the roof. Charlie, it's it's Richard Warmer. There was a little good news about the Fed this week because uh, Raskin withdrew her uh, nomination as vice chair. That was great news. Well, you know, listen, I don't want to pick on her. She's obviously a very smart person and economist, but she had an agenda, though. She has an agenda, and you know, you remember, you know, all these, all these. Appointees are political to a certain extent, right? They do have to follow, in, in a lot of cases, administrative law and procedure. And you know, you just wonder whether activists like her, and you know, there's others throughout the Biden administration that they're trying to get through. Uh, some of them have pulled, like her, uh, Saleh Amarova at the control of the currency. Gigi Sohn is facing headwinds at the FCC. You just wonder, you know, whether because they're such activists, I mean, way out there activists, very, very progressive. It's, you know, whether they're capable of fulfilling the mandate of the job. And, you know, you see this in all in a lot of Biden's picks. I mean, he is literally getting memos from the far left of the party on all these choices. Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Sheldon Whitehouse, you know, you can go down the list. The lefties are telling him what to do. It's it's really quite remarkable that a guy that, that said he was going to be middle of the road Joe has <laughs> turned out to be uh, you know the second coming of uh, of, uh, of, of the communist party here. <laughs> you know it's a joke, uh, Charlie Gasparino, is that we're pushing they're they're pushing this green agenda, electric cars, electric cars. You know you can't oh, yeah. even get an electric car. I've, you can't well, even get a ridiculous. hybrid car. I mean, do you realize that how stupid this is? I, I've written about this. So we got this. Even Elon Musk, the king of electric cars, says this. <laughs> Um, first off, you can't just go electric cars immediately. You know, they're too expensive. And and think about how you create electricity. You're gonna have to burn fossil fuels. You probably need, um, you probably need nuclear, which they're not gonna approve. You know, the left won't approve of. On top of that, to build an electric battery, you need nickel, cobalt. I'm probably leaving a couple things out. They're all like a lot of that is controlled by China and Russia. I mean, how's that? So we not only we we make ourselves dependent on. Europe, Russian oil and Saudi Arabian oil. We're going to make ourselves dependent on China for batteries. Yes. So, yes. what happens to our national security? You know, was it Von Hayek that said the the road to serfdom is paved with good intentions? I mean, I think it was, and that's kind of what this is. I mean, these utopian progressives are so stupid. So 
insane. And <laughs> nobody is denying that we need to transition to a greener economy. All right. Nobody. Right. Uh, do we do it? We in- just had Governor Nomon and she was saying that what's so insane about all of this is the way that we're transporting oil is actually more dangerous than mm-hmm. using pipelines. We're also using oil from companies uh, from countries that produce it in the, the most disgustingly exactly you know you know uh, non-environmental non-environmental ways you know Venezuela someone told me David Asman my my colleague here at at at, at Fox News tells me that uh, at Fox Business that you know he spent uh, spent a ton of time in Venezuela his wife is South American the, the the environmental damage that they've done to their environment which was once pristine hmm. uh, with their type of oil production is is really quite horrible. And meanwhile, we shut it down for no reason. Be AOC. We're, we're, North America, and I've said that before many times, me and you talked about it, Charlie, has to be energy independent. And right. uh, otherwise, once we're dependent on China, once we're dependent on Russia, I mean, it's crazy. It's- well, I mean, that's Russia knows Europe's dependent on him. I mean, Russia, Putin knows that Russia that, that Europe is depending on, on Russian oil because we pulled out. And it's just, I mean, it's so obvious. I, I'm, so, you know, it just shows you how in bed the main, what's known as the mainstream. You know, it's not like I'm unmainstream. Is with the Democratic Party and they're talking about it. I mean, this is a huge story. The environmental movement has disarmed, basically created Vladimir Putin's war, finance Vladimir Putin's war machine. ESG, all this crazy stuff. And it, the only people writing about it is like people like me, like you guys are, are reporting it. It is really remarkable that that huge story is not getting out there. I will say this. The American people see it. They know it. But that talking point is getting through. That's why you see Biden running around talking about the, the, the Putin, you know, gas tax or whatever yeah, he's saying. Yeah. And, and that'll fall flat. Like Charlie, we we got a minute left. Uh, anything else you'd like to tell the American people? It's going to be a rough couple months. <laughs> Passing your seatbelt. You know the market. <laughs> buy Oreo cookies and put them in your cupboard because we're going to run out, or they're going to be a much higher price. Well, you know, you know, it lasts a long time. I heard like through like even nuclear blasts and everything. Malamars? No, um, uh, Twinkies. Okay. I haven't had a Twinkie in so long. Now you just, now you just made trash. me hungry. Do you think the cream is real cream? In a no. No, of course not. There's no way. <laughs> God only knows what that is, but it's good. <laughs> they shipped it down. It used to be fresh Twinkies delivered to Gristini's every day. Now they, they they shipped it down to Mexico. They are making them frozen, frozen Twinkies what? and shipping them up one at a time. Interesting. Have uh, you guys ever had a fried Twinkie? Never. It's a subject. I heard that's a delicacy somewhere. Not here. I've had fried. I've had fried Oreos. Not here. At like a fair. Well, I look forward to it, Charlie. Thank you very much, and thank you for uh, what you do. And God bless you, and God bless America. You too. Thank you, John. Let's take a break, and uh, we'll see who we come back with. I mean, we got a little bit of a schedule gate. That's right. You're listening to one of the most iconic stations in the nation, an American original. Talk Radio 77 at WABCRadio.com. WABC Traffic and Transit. In New Jersey, Irvington, a stable vehicle blocking the right lane, Garden State Parkway, northbound on exit 143, Hillside. So watch out if you're driving in that part of the area. 
Checking the bridges and tunnels at this hour, we see the GWB inbound upper okay, lower okay, outbound heavy, Lincoln inbound 5 to 10, outbound 20 to 30, Holland inbound 10 to 15 from the turnpike, 15 to 20 from Route 1 to 9, outbound 30 to 40 minute delays. I'm Bob Brown with your 77 WABC Traffic and Transit Update. John Kepi's. We're back, and I understand we're going to have Dick Morris coming on. And, uh, by and, the way, I forgot to mention it's my husband's birthday today. Happy and, birthday, happy husband. Birthday, yes, husband. yes. And do you know two years ago today is when the city shut down because of COVID? You believe that? it was? I remember is it was on my – him? It was because of him. We ended up having a party anyway because we were in Westchester, and then Westchester got shut down like the next day. We got Dick Morris on the line? Yes, Dick Morris. Beautiful. What the heck is going on? Uh, how do you read what's going on in, in Washington and in uh, Ukraine? I have a clear view as to what's going to happen. Uh, I think that Ukraine is going to win this war, and I think Russia is going to lose it. And uh, I believe, and here are the signs that lead me to believe that. First of all, the Russian ground offensive is bogging down on the way to Kiev. They've not made any progress for a week. And the reason for that is the spring rains and the roads all turned to mud. And the Ukrainian troops are used to operating without tanks. Russian troops are not. And uh, the fact that they've stalled is, I think, very significant. Uh, secondly, uh, it's clear that air support is coming to Ukraine. We're just sending the S-300 anti-aircraft system that's very effective. I think the MiGs will be coming. But the big reason is that Russia is running out of money. This war is costing them between $1 and $2 billion a day. Uh, Russia has a debt payment due today of $129 million interest. And uh, if they don't pay that, they never borrow money again. And uh, they're begging to pay it in rubles, which is like monopoly money at this point. And uh, they wouldn't be doing that if if they're financially okay. And while that's happening, we're finally adopting, adopting an effective strength, sanction strategy, which is to sanction the oligarchs that provide Putin with his money. He uses the oligarchs like a banking system, and he gives them the money and says, hold it until I need it, and then give it back to me. Otherwise, and, we shoot uh, you? No, no, no. We Oh, yeah, we shoot you, right, but they don't go that far. <laughs> and... Um, the guy who founded the system of international sanctions on individuals is a guy named Bill Browder, who's a friend, and he uh, represented a guy named Majinsky, who was a law- his lawyer in Russia, who uh, worked on fighting Putin. And Majinsky was killed, tortured and killed. And uh, Browder passed the Majinsky Act in Congress that authorizes sanctions against individuals. And they're finally using that. And what they're doing is taking the list of 100 oligarchs who fund Putin and going one after the other and sanctioning them. They've already sanctioned about 20 of them. And um, that is denying Putin cash. So when you combine his his financial problems with his ground troops not advancing, with the looming loss of air superiority, he's in trouble. And I think the giveaway of that is that the Russian negotiators are actively and openly speaking, as are the Ukrainians, about the idea of neutrality uh, as a solution. And you wouldn't be doing that if they were winning the war. Dick, Dick, uh, this, is, and, Dick this is Pete King. What chance do you see of a palace coup? 
If he, if he turns the military yes, against sir. him, the intelligence community and the oligarchs, and more and more people on the street begin yeah. to hear about it, what are the chances? Well, certainly it's possible. I'm in close touch with the opposition there. I, I, I was their consultant for a while. But uh, I don't, but I think either that, I mean, might be at the end, but I think that uh, I would expect a, I would expect something of a rapid collapse at this at this point. Uh, I think that, uh, and, and bear in mind when we say neutrality, let me explain what that is. After World War II, Germany was, of course, divided into four occupation zones, but so was Austria. And after Stalin's death in 54, the Russians and the U.S. agreed to end the, the zones of occupation and combine it into one country with its capital at Vienna, but to embed in its constitution a guarantee of neutrality between the major powers. And as a result, the Austria to this day can't join NATO, although it has joined the EU and gotten fully absorbed into the West. Dick Morris, we got some breaking news coming here. in from Poland, and uh, we have breaking to hang up. News, and right now we got Babu Nanwe, the CEO of Goya Foods, on the line with us with that breaking news, who's over there now in Warsaw as we speak. Uh, Bob, what, what do you have for us? Yes, hi, Lydia and John. Uh, actually, I'm on the border uh, near uh, Rebene and uh, Medica. Okay. Uh, our, our travel to uh, the border today, we saw a lot of uh, military equipment in Poland, uh, a lot of movement, uh, military and police, you know, around in the area. You know, our, our, our visit today to the border is just, you know, people keep pouring in. Uh, it's just very tragic seeing all these young children and women. Uh, elderly uh, coming in, you know, we're kind of in, in addition to our humanitarian help here, we're also on kind of a spiritual mission. Uh, we had a team uh, we know with our Green Berets uh, that took not only food into Ukraine, but some rosaries that were uh, offered to us from uh, people from around the country uh, to bring these rosaries over here and, uh, you know, pray for peace and, and uh, you know, try to bring God into the equation here. So uh, this has some very faithful people around the country that had a petition. Please bring these over to uh, Ukraine and, and to the to the uh, to the refugees coming in. Bob, how many uh, refugees that you think have gotten out into Poland so far? Well, you know, the majority of almost three million are. are are coming into Poland. We saw them loading onto buses to Spain, uh, you know, to to different countries in, in Europe. They're just pouring in. They continue to pour in uh, every day. And of course, the the half, or if not more, are, are children. You know, from very, the very young to under eighteen. Who, you know, if you're over eighteen, you you have to stay in country. But it's just uh, tragic. These 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 families are broken and they're. Uh, you know, they're, you can see the moms very, very uh, scared and upset. The little children kind of in awe, seeing these big buses. It's kind of maybe even exciting for them. But the the teenagers, they're frightened. They're angry, uh, you know, when they've been displaced. And it's just a uh, human, uh, humanitarian tragedy. One more thing, Bob, and we have to go to a a uh, another break. Um, what do you see the end result is? What What do you hear from the people that are coming over? 
You know, uh, well, part of the problem is to also relocate, and, and so a lot of them are doing that. But, you know, they, they want to get back. You know, we're hoping that, you know, we're kind of on a spiritual mission, too. We're going to have a big mass in, in our, our Lady of uh, Cheskohova, which is the spiritual capital of of, uh, of, uh, Pol- of Poland, uh, the Archbishop Depo of, of the Archdiocese, together with Pope uh, Francis, or they're going to have a call for prayer, you know, to the nation, to the world, that we uh, we end this. Of course, you know, there's the military end of it, but you know, the intervention of God and prayer, and, and uh, you know, spreading the light and lightening the heart, so that we can, uh, you know, maybe some bring some, you know, love and caring into this world. Well, Robert Gunnarway, uh, Goya Foods, uh, su- supplying food to the refugees. Thank you so much for calling in and uh, and giving us an update, and we'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you, John. God bless. Uh, do we go to the chief right now? Do you want to go to the chief or we'll do it after break? Okay, we're going to, we'll break and when we come back, we're going to have the chief of detectives. He's going to give us the latest on that homeless shooter and other major cases here in New York City. So keep it right here. NYPD, we'll be right back. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on 77 WABC. And on the line with us right now is the NYPD chief of detectives, James Essig. How are you, chief? Hi, good afternoon, everybody. So talk to us about that homeless shooter. You guys made an incredible arrest, and now I'm hearing his own grandfather saying that he had a history of issues with the police and mental issues and felt like the system failed him. Tell us about, first off, who the suspect is and how you guys arrested him and his previous arrest record. Well, he he does a spree of shootings, three down in Washington, D.C., and then two up here a non-fatal shooting and a homicide up in uh, New York City. So right now he's arrested in Washington, D.C. We know through the ballistics evidence that 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 weapon did all five shootings. Uh, We are working up in New York to tighten up our cases, and we expect to uh, tie all all the evidence together and be able to charge him uh, in a short time. Uh, he's uh, basically a, a Washington, D.C. resident. And as you heard all on the news, uh, that he's uh, his uh, father says he has some um, uh, health issues, some mental health issues. I understand, Chief, that uh, the ATF is also involved in it. Uh, is it better better to book him on a federal crime versus a New York City crime where, where under the bail law he gets to go home the same night? Well, it, if and when we do arrest him for the charges up in New York, he's going to be charged for a murder and then an assault one uh, on the other one. So those are pretty stiff charges. I think uh, we're going to charge them with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Uh, the ATF was involved because obviously the gun and they made the connections between Washington and New York through their ballistics uh, match. Yeah, this guy, Gerald Brevard, he's 30 years old. Uh, how did you guys get those pictures of him? They were so clear. I mean, it, feel, it, feel, it feels like within 24 hours. And the fact that so much work went into this for people that are essentially forgotten that live on the streets and their life matters, too. Yeah, uh, well, New York City detective, there's none better. You know, not only the, the video. I mean, we go through the video canvas. We have to track some people a long, long way to get a good shot of their face. 
but they do a great job with that. But then there's tons of other evidence that got to come in, the forensics, the electronics. So we're working through that really tight right now so we could give the uh, district attorney the best case possible. And now Barbara Meyer Gustern, she's that 87-year-old woman that was just shoved to the ground unprovoked just the other day at West 28th and 8th Avenue. She just died, and that yeah. suspect is still out on the loose. Can you tell us about that case? Yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, yeah, really a horrifying one. An 87-year-old female walking down the street uh, gets pushed to the ground, hits a head, was called uh, a, a bitch by the uh, by the female who did it. We put out a video or, or a still shot of that video. We asked the public for help in that. She passed, unfortunately, she passed away yesterday. Uh, we're going to be getting out better images of that today. Again, detectives are working that case very actively. We hope to have some good news shortly on that, but we're going to get out some better uh, stills of, of what we believe or who we believe is the perpetrator later today. And uh, we always ask that public's help for help, uh, you know, through Crime Stoppers. You know, we need the public in a lot of these instances to solve these crimes. And and this one, particularly gruesome one. Has the district attorney been cooperating uh, as of late? Yeah, we, you know, our job is uh, in the detective bureau, New York City detectives. We give the district attorney the best possible case we can for them to prosecute it. And, uh you know, when we do that, uh, you know, we compile all the evidence. We try and make it uh, uh, everything. We give them soup to nuts, make it irrefutable that they did it, and we'll hope for a successful prosecution. And, Chief, I, I just heard the other day uh, the top Albany lawmaker, Stuart Cousins, she was talking about bail reform. It's It's working perfectly and that this is just kind of being exaggerated and that people are telling lies. How frustrating – is it for you and your fellow officers to hear that type of rhetoric when you're seeing the same criminals being rearrested over and over and just being released? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to deny it isn't frustrating. You know, uh, you, 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 you see the wreckings of some of these individuals we, we uh, bring, bring in, and it is the same people all the time. Very few people in, in a city of 8.5 million New Yorkers are the criminals, the really bad people out there doing it. But, you know, that being said, the New York City police detectives, we go out there, we work hard, and we just do our job. And you see when stuff happens out there, when crimes are happening, we're making the arrests in pretty, pretty quick, short order. Well, thankfully, we have a mayor now, John, Mayor well, Adams. Mayor, mayor Eric Adams wants to do something about the bail law in, uh, in uh they told him uh, up in Albany to pound sand, the same Stuart Cousins that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And hopefully uh, um, we, we, hope, we, we hope we make him look, uh, look at the light. Um, Chief, let me ask you a question. Uh, I've been saying on t- uh, radio and television that 3,000, if we, if we put away 3,000 or 4,000 people that, that are responsible for the, a lot of these major crimes and and horrific crimes, and put them away, put them away, that it'll take care of uh, 85%, 90% of the problems 8.5 million New Yorkers have. A- am I pretty close to the number? I, I think you're spot on, John. We do a- analytics uh, here, how to deploy our people, who we're going to focus on in terms of, in terms of just the violence, the shooters. You're probably looking at about six to 700 
that are out there doing the violence. Six to 700 in the city of 8.5 million is minuscule. If you add in people who are doing robberies, burglaries, other violent crimes, you're not talking about a great majority of people. Those small minority of people do all the crime. Well, we have a million listeners out there, and we're t- we, tell all the- we tell all our listeners that 8.5 million people, choose between 8.5 million people feeling safe and living a civilized life in New York City and returning New York City to the greatest city in the world versus two or 3,000 criminals that are creating the violent crimes. But uh, Detective uh, Chief, thank you so much for everything your whole team does and, and, and uh, trying to keep our city safe. Thank you so much. No, thanks, John. And I just want to give a shout-out to my detectives out there. They, they take these cases personally. You see it when I talk to them, when you see it when they bring and they, they really do a great job. So I just want to, you know, if any of them are listening out there, thank you. The city's thankful to, to what you do out there, and uh, I'm so appreciative of them. And thank you for everything you do. And we have your back, and to tell that to all your uh, detectives, because we're, we're going to work hard to make sure we have your back. Thanks, John. Have a great day, guys. Bye-bye. And now on the line, we have Jonathan Wachtel. He served as director of communications and spokesperson for the U.S. mission to the United Nations. He's also an acclaimed journalist who's been around the world covering conflicts. Jonathan Wachtel, I understand that you have quite a different opinion compared to Dick Morris. Yeah, Dick said some very astute things about Russia being in a pickle, of course, and economically this is extremely painful. But I wouldn't state that Russia has lost. It's lost part of the battle, but it's also won because if you look strategically at what's happening uh, in eastern Ukraine and down near the Azov Sea, down all the way to Crimea, you see a consolidation of Russian forces controlling territories, and you see that closing up. So what you see when you consider this is should Vladimir Putin decide enough is enough, and I want to now try to work out some sort of deal with Zelensky, you have Russia in control of very large swaths of territory that they can use at the negotiating table. That is a win. And and tell us, uh, is Putin truly trying to make peace or is he just uh, um, stalling? He is taking his time. He's working this out on his terms. He's not particularly bothered, as we see, at the civilian casualty numbers mounting. He's not broadcasting and allowing the broadcasting of the number of Russian troops that have been killed in this conflict so far. We're looking at figures that are now a couple of weeks old uh, in the hundreds as opposed to what is probably more realistic in, in numerous thousands. Uh, So he is controlling the narrative on this story, and he'll control the narrative as long as he feels he's able to achieve these incremental wins, as I'm saying, uh, to then work out some way to negotiate some sort of settlement. We're not there yet. He has more territory that he'll need to pick up. We we have 20 seconds for you to tell us the bottom line. What do you think? What do I think? I think we're in for more bloodshed and heartache. I think that the weapons being sent over to try to allow the Ukrainians to defend themselves is the right move. Uh, but this, this is going to be with us for, for quite some time still, until there is a reason for Vladimir Putin to say stop. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and we're going to catch, on, catch up with you in a longer conversation uh, real soon. And thank you for what you do for our country. Thank you. 
And Judge Weinberg, thank you for being here. Congressman Peter King, Lydia Serrani, and for everybody out there, God bless New York, God bless America, and please, God bless the, the people of the Ukraine, and have a great night.